0: Yeah. Hey, come on.
1: Welcome to the Kelly Patrick Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. In today's episode I am joined by Eb Kieslich. Eb is a judoka and a dojo owner in Brandenburg, Kentucky, very popular judo practitioner here in the state of Kentucky, originally from Germany. Very fascinating episode today. If you're a fan of The Kelly Patrick Show, even if this is your first episode you've ever heard, I ask first and foremost that you please send me some referrals for my health insurance practice. I'm licensed in 14 states across the country, based here in Louisville, Kentucky. Any health insurance requests you send me, I can help you with, in particular, Medicare business. You know, someone who's on Medicare, that's kind of my specialty. Also, um, the sponsors for the show, uh, for a long time, Louisville Combat Academy has been the uh, title sponsor for the show. Really appreciate their support. My mother is a therapist. She helps with mental health and, and addiction recovery therapy. She's an LCSW. She's also here in Louisville. We actually share an office, uh, but she does a lot of work over, you know, the telephone and Zoom, so really anywhere in the country, and my producer, Matt McCarthy. But if you're interested in sending some referrals the way of my sponsors, here are the details. life insurance, and long-term care. If you want to support the podcast, please send me some referrals. 502-386-0978. Welcome to The Kelly Patrick Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. In today's episode, I am joined by Eb Kieslik. Eb, how are you today?
0: I'm doing fine. How are you?
1: Doing very well. Really appreciate you joining me. For those of our listeners who do not know, Ebb is... Hmm, one, one of the more, maybe the most respected judo instructors and judoka uh, practitioners in the state of Kentucky that I know of. Now, I don't, I'm not trying to be offensive to anyone that I'm unaware of or anything like that, but, Eb, I really appreciate you joining me here for the episode today. If it's all right, Eb, could you introduce yourself to the Kelly Patrick Show audience, where are you from? What brought you into the world of judo? What brought you to Kentucky? All that fun stuff. Who is Ab?
0: All right, all right. I'm gonna try to summarize this pretty fast. Um, I was born and raised in Germany, um, in, in in the uh, in uh, Baden-Württemberg, near Bavaria, in the southern part of uh, of Germany. And uh, I started judo at age 13 in a local club. Uh, there wasn't, uh, you know, judo had just started, uh, to become popular. This was back in 1973. So, uh, you know, there was not a lot of martial arts, uh, you know, clubs around. And, uh, I didn't have much of a choice. There was not, there was nothing other than that. Judo was interesting to me. Uh, and so I, I, I got permission from my parents to try it out and, you know, Honestly, just stayed stayed with it ever since. Uh, other martial arts and other I- ideas, and you know, you know, uh, martial arts training methods and so forth have have surfaced over the year, over the years. But in summary when you look at any of the martial arts that are, you know, effective, it, it mostly goes back uh, to, um, to judo and judo is very popular. I'm not saying, you know, I not want to discount any of the other great arts like Western wrestling and, and, and boxing and kickboxing and so forth. Uh, but judo was definitely one of the first uh, pillars, you know, strong pillars were that, that many other martial arts, um, you know, uh k- uh, uh, originated from. So, um, so that was back in my childhood, young adulthood. I trained judo. I left, uh, I trained judo in that local club for about six, seven years and until Brown belt level. Then I moved to a bigger club and relocated to go to college. Uh, I was a higher level of competition. I competed a lot in judo, um, in 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 various leagues and one of the highest leagues, well, in the highest league in Germany, which is the Bundesliga. Just to give you an idea, this is where uh, Jimmy Pedro and uh, and uh, uh, Travis Stevens they competed in that same league. Uh, however, they competed for like the winning club, and I was more like in the mediocre <laughs> a, a club where we sometimes won and sometimes lost. But we won the Bavarian championship, I think, twice. During my time there and uh, nationals, uh, we were at, in the top five one time. Uh, so that was for the for the size town where I was from or where I was staying at the time. This was like a, a pretty good uh, result overall. Uh, that Bundesliga is very competitive. They usually they bring people people into um, you know into their clubs to compete for them um, from from all around the world. So you would never know just who from this other town you might encounter you know you might encounter jimmy pedro right jimmy pedro competed there years after i did because he's he's younger and and travis stevens is younger yet so i did not ever have uh you know any encounters of that nature but i competed against some of the national champions of germany and uh, France, and Italy, and so forth, so Europeans mostly, right? I did compete one time again uh, against Mike Swain uh, from the United States, uh, another judo world champion. Um, he was the first judo world champion from the United States. I competed against him when I was in Germany, and I, I lost by a small score. Yuko, they don't have that anymore, but um, this was before he became world champion, maybe two or three years before. In Mannheim, uh, where I, where I fought him, so in 1990, I um, I relocated to the United States. The reason for that was not judo. The reason for that was that I was <laughs> I was a uh, an engineer and and uh, electrical engineer and um, um, focused on uh, simulation, uh, you know, computer based simulation, which was you know up and coming. was a new thing now. I mean, you can get that. Every kid plays it, but for the military, uh, the, the the military was really the first place where that uh, where that technology was was being used. So I was um, developing software and developing uh, debugging routines on that uh, f- on on one of the uh, key technologies that the U.S. military had. I, uh, I worked as a subcontractor for GE Aerospace at the time, and uh, later was. Uh, Um, offered a position in the U.S. uh, doing the same thing. And that took me first to to Florida, to Daytona Beach, Florida, at the Geo Aerospace location. They later relocated and became Lockheed Martin. And and, and I was actually working out of Fort Knox for almost 30 years. Uh, While I was in the U.S., I was very... Uh, amazed at everything. I love the U.S. Uh, as a country. Uh, I have, you know, um, no regrets about my relocation. Um, and I was, um, I, I was very, only initially very frustrated that where I was located in, in the area of Fort Knox, Radcliffe, Brandenburg, there was no judo, and neither was there any known club in Louisville that I could. I was, I would. Drive to Lexington if I back then, but I I I couldn't find anything. This is before internet, so uh, you couldn't just Google and do all that. So I I actually through a coincidence got hooked up uh, with uh, uh, with Sensei Earl Cheatham, who who passed away last year, and uh, that was um, you know I called him, and uh, that's how I uh, found out about judo in Louisville, and then I trained uh, at his club for uh, several years over at the bellman college and I started competing so that the only break in service to judo that I had was doing my relocation and just simply because I couldn't find a place all right then gosh going uh, is is this taking too long Kelly No this, um, no this episode uh, no. is
1: all about you ebb you continue to take Okay, it. I will sprinkle <laughs> questions in when you are when you okay. have completed, when you have completed your story, so go as long as you'd like.
0: Yeah. So I met another great. Uh, so Earl Cheatham is a great. Um, you know, a, a great has a great uh, is a great legend of judo in the state of Kentucky, and uh, we became very good friends. We supported each other over the years, and and I I really enjoyed his friendship. We did, you know, to the last, you know, held uh, in 1990, just before the onset of COVID. Uh, we did our last clinic together, and that was at a, a a BJJ club in New uh, was it Blue Moon or something like that over in on the Indiana side of Louisville? You know, I, I, I uh, that's where we did a, a clinic, uh, Earl Cheatham and I, and several others. And uh, that was the last time we did something like that together. And you know, then COVID set in, and people couldn't train and all that, but um. You know, after that, um, I mean, um, after I left uh, left Bellamin College, uh, because another great individual, a guy named um, Mike Michael Royce, a um, a Kotocon very soft-spoken, quiet guy, but extremely good skill. Um, he he also lived in Louisville, and and he came to to Bellamin College, and we trained there. And he's also a friend of Earls uh, of Earls and. And, and and you know I ended up training over over with him in the uh, in the downtown athletic club that was located on Broadway in in, in Brandenburg. I trained there for many years and competed out of there. And I liked training uh, with with Michael Royce because he was um, you know my, more my size. We, we we had very similar technique. He does a Tayatoshi, so did I. And, um, you know, we had, um, you know, many years of judo there. Then uh, we, the dojo grew bigger. We re- re- relocated out to J-Town. In J-Town, uh, not far from that, where the center of town is, where the clock is, you know. Uh, on the backside, we had uh, a garage-like building that, that we put a mat in. And, and we trained there for many years. So I was one of the instructors at Toshi Dojo there and I competed there and we did great. I mean, we had great success in, in, in junior competitions, senior competitions. We produced several national champions. Um, we had, uh, kids place in the junior Olympics, um, and, and uh, adults like me and, and, and John Wortley and several others that might still be known. We, we competed at the national level and, and, and won several national championships. So at, um, uh, at that level, um, <clears throat> you know, we, we proceeded until that dojo actually. You know, J- John had to relocate with his job and he moved it further and further out. And it was out where were at the current core, um, you know, location is. It was just simply too far for me to drive that far every, twice a week and, 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 you know, still do my job and, and, and all that. You know, I was building a house then too. It, it was just getting too much for me. And so I decided, well, hell. Uh, I'm gonna give it a shot. Maybe I can get some interest locally in Brandenburg and uh, and see if I could just train there. I think many many martial artists <laughs> have that that idea that they start their own club. I didn't really do it because I wanted an old my own club. I did it because I didn't want to drive so far. I mean that's the that's the honest truth. I did not make any money with this club for probably ten years. Um, you know, it was not, it was, you know, not laid out as a profitable organization or business. It was just for me to be able to train and uh, and that we did. And, um, you know, every so often I had people already, even in the beginning, I had people travel in from all around and uh, all around the country, even, you know, that found out about it. And and people from Louisville came frequently out and, and over, you know, over the course of a few years it just started to become a, a known club you know you go represent lots of you know students that represented us in tournaments and trained in other clubs and were you know like BJJ clubs in Louisville and, and all around so people started to know know about us you know and um, <clears throat> you know about you know, about five or six years ago, I I decided. You know, I'm not going to compete again, uh, or you know, at least not at a very high level. Um, I would. Um, I, I thought, well, you know, I have obtained all this knowledge, and I I trained under some of the, uh, you know, gr- great gr- some of the greatest judoka in the world. You know, I and that was because I I was raised in Germany and I had the ability to to train with some of the best judoka. Uh, right there, you know, not far from my hometown, and uh, you know, guys like Kashiwasaki. I trained with Kashiwasaki um, the the year before he became world champion. So this was 1980. I was 20. He was 29. And um, you know, I was one of the I was one of his partners to to train with every night, and and and, and uh, I was very privileged. He's a weight class lighter than me, and, and uh, unbelievable, uh, extremely good judoka. Uh, then I, um, you know, trained. Uh, there was Sensei uh, Isao Okano, who was the world champion uh, back and the Olympic gold medalist back in the uh, in the first Olympic Olympics in 1964, um, when when judo was first allowed. You know, back then to, in Tokyo, it was like a gift to of the uh, of the of the uh, Olympic Committee to to Japan to allow judo as the, as as an Olympic sport. So yeah, I, I met these guys, met many of the great trainers from uh, all around Europe, tr- had great opportunity to train with many of, of those people and see different ideas, different, uh, different approaches. Very important to understand that uh, be- because judo is an international sport, each country has an entirely different approach. I mean, to me, very, very different approach. Not entirely different. I mean, obviously, they're all doing throws and chokes and arm locks and pins, but um, but the way they're teaching it, the way they're, you know, the 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 the, the doctrine and and is, is 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 sometimes quite different when you go and train in another another region, even of Europe, in of Germany or in another country over there. Uh, the U.S. again has again a whole whole another approach in the Europeans, uh, in, in, you know, and a lot of that comes because of the wrestling background. Most judoka in the U S uh, have a wrestling background and they, uh, they wrestled in high school or, or younger or in college even. And then, and then when that ended for them, as they get, got out of college, you know, they look for something similar and, um, there's, there's not a lot of organized, Clubs where you can wrestle, uh, you know, and, and and have a lot of you know, good good partners to to train with all around the country. Judo is a little more popular, and I think uh, now you see a lot of those also flocking to to BJJ clubs. Uh, so BJJ, I think, uh, has a has a lot of people like that now, where uh, you know they they wrestle and and later they decided, well, I'm not done um, just because I got married and I have you know, two children, um, and I'm like 28 or whatever, uh, I'm not done with this. I, I still want to, want to stay fit and I want to practice martial art. And so they go to, to, to BJJ and or to judo or both. So re- more recently I've, I, I'm getting more and more people from BJJ, uh, to, um, to show up at, at judo. And, um, I think, what it is is they, they just want some of them want uh, just a different view, right? They want to kind of like when I travel to France to see how they approach things. So they want to a lot of BJJ folks now want to see like you know how does a how does a stand up judoka uh, deal with this or that you know? And some of them may just come in want to want to test their skill against some of our uh, competitors there, um, you know whatever you know. But it, they're all welcome. And and I and I appreciate it, you know. As long as people are respectful, I uh, the, the doors are open wide, you know. So, gosh, what else? Uh, I, the club, our club, is growing. We currently have about eighty. Toshi Dojo is the name of our club. Um, we have about eighty members right now, which is probably for Louisville a small uh, little little club, but for Brandenburg, that's substantial. It's never been that big, um, so. Yeah, I mean, I can't think of much else. Uh, so. Okay, yeah. Maybe, no, <laughs> maybe. I, I, maybe. <laughs> I was going to say, I can take
1: this into many different directions because you are, of course, a lifelong student of the art of judo, which is very fascinating to me. First off, before I get to my additional judo questions, you left Germany in 1990, me being an American, you know, I look at the history books and things, and I, I know that, what was it, in 89, the Berlin Wall had f- fallen, and you were, of course, in South Germany, so
0: I assume that didn't impact you very much? It, it did. It did, and I'm glad you brought it up. It impacted us in, in, in more than one way, in good ways and bad ways, right? Um, you know, the good ways first. Uh the Iron Curtain. For those that are familiar, you, you know, people in America cannot even imagine that, right? Uh, how that is that that you have people uh, that are like your kin. They're they're you know the same people. They they were they were families. They were you know like Brandenburg and and uh, what's the next town over? You know uh, Radcliffe or or Muldrow or any of those towns. All of a sudden, somebody comes about and and puts up a fence with 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 uh, minefields and cameras and uh, military presence, and all of a sudden you cannot um, uh, all of a sudden you cannot cross over anymore, right? And uh, in that case, uh, and people can't imagine that not only couldn't they cross over, but they also couldn't communicate to each other, right? And um, when 1989 came about and the uh, the Berlin Wall was to collapse, we were, you know, first off, we were all very skeptical about this, and I, um, you know, I still applaud uh, the great um, President Ronald Reagan for his involvement in in making that happen. You know, of course, you know, the, uh, Gorbachev gets the credit because he he loosened. Uh, he loosened things up on the, uh, in the Soviet Union to to make that happen on his side, but the encouragement and, um, and 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 the international presence and the push for that came from Ronald Reagan. In my book, in my opinion, and uh, and, and and I think that was um, you know that's noteworthy, and and no other president was able to achieve that uh, before him. And he found the time was right. Um, the you the, the the Soviet Union was in terrible shape. The people weren't happy there. Um, you know many many rock and roll bands. I don't know if you know that, like the Rolling Stones and many f- big famous bands. That they they set up usually uh, big big outdoor or open air festivals near the East German uh, border, and 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 you saw you know, thousands and thousands of kids and teenagers on the other side of the fence listening to it from miles away, but they couldn't come over, you know. They did that intentionally. You wow, know? I did not know uh, that. Uh, Very interesting. Yeah. And that
1: music was forbidden in in the uh, East.
0: Is that right? Te- 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 technically, yes, but, you know, just like everything here, too, uh, it, it, it's one thing to forbid it, but it's one thing, another thing to uh, to to enforce that, you know, in a, in a by a police or or anything now, when when you all of a sudden you have maybe in this small town you have maybe five police officers or ten or even if it's fifteen, and you got now all of a sudden uh, fifteen thousand uh, youth migrating to 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 the fence, but they're just there for peace from purposes just to listen and see what's going on. There's no arrests. Maybe there were, I don't know. But bottom line, it happened more than once, and people were not you know that afraid of it you know now i had not been over uh, on the other side i did not have relatives in 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 eastern germany in east germany at the time so uh i i never had a reason to you could get special uh, visas to be allowed over and your car would be searched and almost disassembled you know they would take door panels out i mean they would jack it up on a lift and 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 look for anything and everything on that car. You know, I mean, it was a long way. It was not, you know, not a lot of people did that. And, uh, but anyway, it's not like driving, uh, on a military installation here, you know, it's, it's, it was much, you were much more scrutinized, also pulled out and had to ask answer questions. And I mean, it was, it was not easy at all to get over there, but I, I never did until the wall, Came down in '89, and um, I already had ties to um, to the U.S. And I was asked the, to actually travel there. And the U.S. Army had a um, you know a, a military installation in West Berlin, and so I was told, "Hey, travel to West Berlin, and hey, by the to do this job here. And by the way, while you're there, I want a piece of the wall that still has some graffiti on it." <laughs> So, so I went over there and, uh, you know, it, it, that day it just rained like hell. And I was out there on that, uh, piece of concrete wall with a hammer and a chisel and chiseling some graffiti <laughs> uh, to send, uh, to send to my boss in Daytona beach, Florida. So, uh, did keep a piece for myself, and my wife said she still got it, but I don't have it on display or anything. But uh, I was there; I saw it with my own eyes. It it, it was good enough, uh, you know, for me the way I saw it. You know, I was there for about three days, and uh, I saw I saw all that. So the, that was the that was the good part about it. Uh, the bad part about it was the the migration, right? A mass migration took place and overran. I, I heard that the McDonald's in West Berlin was out of hamburgers within two hours of the border opening. <laughs> so, you know, of course, like um, American establishments like McDonald's, that's what everybody wanted because they didn't have that, right? Uh, and they couldn't they couldn't uh, have res- they couldn't resupply it fast enough. Uh, but along with that uh, migration there was also crime and and congestion general congestion because people were like loading up their refrigerators on on the top of their little cars and and heading to to the west without a without a real destination where they would end up we're just going to go somewhere where they would uh, will allow us you know it's sad for that but uh, that was actually one of the also, advantages from uh, you know, getting back to the judo now, right? Uh, I met a um, uh, the national coach from of of uh, Poland, and and this is the craziest story. He moved in um, about you know a stri- one street down from me, right? right? So this guy produced Olympic gold medalists and nas- I mean, uh, uh, European champions. And this guy moved down, uh, just down the road from me. It's, in, it's in, unbelievable. In Kentucky? No, no, in in Germany. Oh, okay. When I was still okay. in Germany, I, I that see. was okay. in that, that was toward the end. But this hap- He was actually moving across already sh- before the wall came down. There was already some migration through some back doors where people came over. And uh, and and at that time, I was able to train with with two of his students. One of them was Waldemar legin who was the uh, gold medalist in the um 78 Olympics Was it 78 uh the no 88 sorry the 88 Olympics that's the 78 88 Seoul uh, Korea he won the gold medalist one weight class up and now met Janusz Pavlovsky who won the silver medal in that um in that in those Olympics and Janusz is now the national coach of the women's team in Canada uh so I've Uh, i've seen him in various pictures um you know because right now you know uh the the world championships just finished in uh you know in judo and 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 so i've seen various pictures of him um so anyway yeah it's it's a small community but uh so you know that's pretty much the the congestion um you know these cars breaking down, then these cars were driving with two-stroke engines, right? The East Germans had two-stroke engines. I don't know if you know what that, uh, people here don't even know anymore what that is, but you you don't drive gasoline, you drive a gasoline-oil mix. So these cars have a a blue smoke cloud coming out of, you know, kind of like a car that's that's damaged and burns a lot of oil. It kind of drives like that all the time, you know? And, uh, you know, over time, uh, Germany took, care of that and, you know, and, uh, you know, did away with those vehicles. Um, but but anyway, uh, that that's about it. That's all I remember. And then I didn't stay for the full aftermath um, because I left in 1990. So it was, I didn't stay there very long after the wall came down, but my departure had nothing to do with that in, in particular. What year were you born? I was born 1960.
1: Oh, okay. Okay. Interesting. And I know I'm just asking you all sorts of unexpected personal questions um but i have added yeah i I appreciate you being an open book very fascinating now if someone's listening eb and they are familiar with training brazilian jiu-jitsu they know jiu-jitsu came from the sport of judo in a way historically originally how would you describe i read a book uh it was called what was it the toughest man who ever lived and it's kind of a background of Conde Koma so it's the little yeah. Japanese guy who taught the Gracies in Brazil um, and yeah. of course they mention Kano in the book and how would you describe what's the history of judo I know we don't have all day to go over this but where did judo come from what can you tell us about judo
0: right so uh you know when you're training uh ju- when you when I got into judo in Germany right um, so many years ago, it, 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 it had a completely different status than than it, it has now, right. It was known as a uh, as a self-defense, a martial art and it was more balanced between all the different aspects, right So we knew we knew there was kata, we knew there was self-defense, police work, you know police self-defense, t- police tactics, you know and then and then it was a sport also. And uh, over the years, the, you know, as it became more popular, judo became more and more um, uh, sport-oriented. And you had a lot of clubs going, and the rules of judo, the competition rules, became a the a, a focus for many, you know. And it, people get just uh, drawn into that. And n- nobody anymore that, I mean, except for our club, uh, there's nobody that trains purely for uh for self defense right and our, we we offer that we offer uh, uh you know the same uh you know the the, the same curriculum if you will uh, you know as as you would in a in a, a traditional brazilian jiu jitsu club uh with the exception of course that we do uh my philosophy, my under, my what I believe in is 50% stand-up and 50% ground, right? So I I cover significant ground grappling and but I also cover significant stand-up. Uh, but um when when you're talking about the history, the history is one aspect and um how it evolved over the years through just prop, becoming popular, you know, Olympics and, and, and you know, school programs and all of that uh, it turns the art, and the art takes a different turn in, in, a, in, a, in a different direction, right? Uh, so I think it's important to understand the history. And more reason, uh, more recently uh, than, 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 you know, when I was a beginner in Judo. And when I was a beginner in Judo in Germany, I, I knew it was coming from Japan. And I knew the name Jigoro Kano. Uh, and I knew there were belts and, and the uniform, you know, the gi. I knew, I knew that, but I knew very little. I, I didn't even know the, the year Judah was founded. I, I didn't know that until I was probably black belt level, right? Uh, because, you know, that's not even brought up much in class there. It's just training, you know? Uh, but now I think, with with so many different sports all side by side and, and you know cross training and, and, and you know MMA and, and all of that, people are going like, well, which is the best? Which is which has been around the longest? Which what what, are, what what did this guy who who beat everybody up? What did he train in? And they make their you know they draw their conclusions from from those things. And then all of a sudden it comes back like, okay. He may may train in this, but this is actually a derivative of that. For instance, Khabib, right? He he's a um, he's a uh, a Sambo practitioner, right? So what's Sambo? Sambo is a derivative of judo, right? Now they added the leg locks because Kano was opposed to it. And uh, when you though look at at Kabib's competition, uh, he he actually didn't do a lot of leg locks that I remember. I think he won you know, through other techniques. Uh, but you got to know that if you're going into a sport where these kinds of things are relevant and, and part of the rule set, you, you have to obviously learn them. And, and likewise striking, right? Of course, you know, in Brazilian jiu-jitsu and in judo and in, 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 in regular sambo, you don't strike. In combat sambo is, is like um, a more, uh, you know, it's more like MMA, they do strike there, but if you if you're going into a sport, uh, you know where, where striking is part of the game. You, you need you need to uh, deal with it. You need to <laughs> not just deal with it. You got to get pretty good at it because uh, that that can happen, right? Um, and you know, I uh, where was I going with this? Let's see, Uh history, All right? So so yes. Uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is a derivative uh, of Judo. Uh, the the uh, Kanō, when he founded Judo, he he changed the, the, the he changed the um the 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 reputation of of the art. And if if you read about uh, Jiu-Jitsu, the old old Jiu-Jitsu, you know the Samurai Jiu-Jitsu, which is different than Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Um, you know after after the Emperor didn't need. Uh, the samurai who were, who were the masters of the art of jujitsu, battlefield proven jujitsu, right. That included unarmed and armed combat. Uh, when they were no longer needed, uh, they kept, they they kept up their skill, but not for the purpose of, um, of, of, of using it as a sport or anything like that. They, they, they kept it up and and they just got into all kinds of tussles and fights and uh, you know and, and caused all kinds of problems I it's what i'm hearing and they caused injuries and and the whole thing be- had became came into a bad light and bad reputation for for jiu jitsu and kano was a student of jiu jitsu a slight man very uh you know sm- uh, a- uh, smart educated um but you know, he didn't like that. He didn't. He didn't like the. You know that uh, that that, that jujitsu. It was put in such a bad. Uh, you know, light, and uh, he set up, out to change that. And he wanted to create more of a, a, a sport out, of, not a sport, an educational system out of it that include uh, included uh, the techniques. Um, you know, the, the, so that people could practice together and improve their skill without necessarily having to beat somebody up or cause serious injuries to them and that that's what he's credited for in in in, in the books i wikipedia or you know if you if you look into into books that's what he's mostly credited uh for and um whether all of the other stories you know asian history books they're they're uh, they're not as um uh i mean they're not as well documented or writ- well written in, you know, in in as much of detail as uh, European or you know Western uh, books. So sometimes you see one person's interpretation versus another's, and there there may be contradictions. So I'm not going to say you know some uh, guy that knows this better that he can, he, you know, I'm I'm I'll be fine with somebody contradicting my views here because. It's it's all hearsay. It's what I heard. I was I didn't actually live back then, and, and it's only what I was told. But that's that's my understanding uh, as to how judo evolved from 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 the traditional um, samurai art of jujitsu, and when when um, it, it it contained this this really strong um, uh, capability uh, skill of unarmed self defense. And I believe that's what led uh, to these prize fights. That um, Maeda became a master of. And when he uh, relocated to Brazil, those the Graces were fascinated by that, uh, the ability to to use the skill like that. And 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 just like with judo, they when they learned from Maeda, they also developed on top of that you know they if they trained in in a valley tudo type setting or if that's what they what they wanted to be good at you know they probably uh, developed special techniques and special ways to do to deal with attackers in a in a ring type setting you know um and um so that's i think that's what what started uh, the the whole movement of Brazilian jiu jitsu, Brazilian jiu jitsu got its popularity from from proving uh, what was already proven before, but from proving it again uh, in in a um, in a setting like a prize fight where bare knuckles, um, you know, very little interruption from a referee, um, you know, and and one guy fighting another guy, right. Uh, just to prove whose whose skill is better than the other. That's I think that's where uh, that's what gave Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu its drive to become uh, become so popular. And uh, and even that aspect goes back to the judo. But I'm not going to take away from what the Grazies did. They 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 built on top of that. They developed it specifically for that because uh, a, a prize fight uh, two hundred years ago, hundred years ago. Two hundred years ago, um, it was not the same as it is today, right? So, um, you know, we got to all understand that 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 there are changes. Uh, you know, they probably were on. A, I, I heard they were in in, in big auditoriums that had, uh, uh, you know, like like stone floors. You know, and uh, they would meet in the middle, and, and and everybody watching around. So there was no no cage. You now, cage is a new development, and if you look at the chain link fence, you fight different in that setting. When you can just fall backwards into the into the cage, than if this was a, just say a uh, a, a big rock, potentially with with a sharp edge sticking out of it, you wouldn't want to fall backwards into it to avoid a punch. You know, so you got to think about all of these things when you are analyzing martial arts. Right, and uh, this is just one of many examples. So, um, but you know. I I I was here in the US when when the UFC started becoming popular and I watched uh the early uh, UFCs and and I've I trained with many uh, Brazilian judo uh, jiu-jitsu uh competitors and um I I think it's a great art and I I think it's it's great that that the ground fighting of the original judo uh is 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 evolving forward, so I'm, I'm not not at all uh, looking at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu as a uh, as a as a competition to Judo. So
1: interesting. Now, if I do a quick Google search of Kano, it looks like he lived uh-huh. from 1860 through 1938, and one of the most famous photos, from my perspective, that Kano was in was at the 1936 olympics jesse owens was there of yep. course an african-american um and he was not doing the hitler uh you know nazi salute but neither was kano i don't know are you familiar with that photo and if so yeah what yeah, is the yes, back uh, story to that photo
0: yeah i I'm, I'm i'm you know i'm familiar with it but i you know i really don't know uh that that thought crossed my mind uh, too, but but you know uh, Japan uh, wasn't wasn't ally to Germany, the only ally, right? Uh, in in the in World War II, right? Mm-hmm. So so you know he was he was I mean uh, in Nazi Germany he actually uh, taught a lot of he came into Nazi Germany and taught police uh, self defense and all of that stuff. Um, you know, so I, I don't know. he may have had issues with it with the propaganda and, and, and all that. I, I, I really couldn't say, but I'm familiar with the photo, yes.
1: Very interesting. Now the, the the history you were referencing how the Asian countries in their history isn't always the most um, maybe organized. I was reading recently that among all societies in countries in, throughout history, Germany, is arguably the one that has the longest standing and I guess you could say most organized um, history. And, and you know, they were very early pioneers of all sorts of different fronts when it comes to education and things like that. I know that's a random direction, but you mentioned the discrepancy between some of the Asian countries. And that, that reminded me about my reading that Germany... Uh, the reputation at least is that it goes very far back and it's no coincidence that, Eb, that you are an engineer and that there's so many German, <laughs> right? I mean, that's kind of just a, a long history of the German people.
0: R- right. No, this, this is interesting. And I think about that too. And I'm still working an eight-hour uh, a job and I'm I'm a data analyst. Uh, work for a company uh, by the name of Booz Allen Hamilton uh, on a defense contract. But uh, the uh, the interesting part I think is uh, that you know Germans are just you know historically really good at bookkeeping, right? And 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 ingenuity and inventing, inventing new things and new ways and um, and I think that uh, when you grow up there and you go to school, you, you know everything focuses on that. And uh, now that I'm over here and I'm trying to um, I'm trying to run a business, and I'm you know and not just one business, I also ha- I'm also a horse trainer and I have a uh, a, a farm here where I train uh, horses for you know for clients and stuff. and and, and now it's come now I got to use with the business side of things. I've had I had no clue. I, you know I, I got an engineering degree from Germany. I' not, I've not ha- had one classes in marketing. Or uh, uh, you know financial bookkeeping or any of that stuff, right? It's all about the technology and you know math formulas and this and that. So uh, so when you're when you're in the US now and that you know uh, you look at how many people come out of these colleges with business degrees, you know, uh, and um, it, it, it's just a whole different world, right? It's 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 entirely different uh, about you know uh ingenuity and technology and uh, you know factories and building things you know so yeah and and, and you know it carries into judo and and uh, here here's here's a good example of that um I I, I believe because if I've been around you know I've not been to Japan so I couldn't I can't talk about that I wanted to go just the year when they hosted the Tokyo Olympics I Really, my wife and I wanted to travel over there, but then COVID happened, and you know all of that. And it's just, I said, okay, we'll, we'll just have to postpone that, right? I actually contacted Neil Adams about uh, getting me a ticket, uh, making sure I get a ticket uh, at, at the uh, at the judo uh, in the judo hall to to watch the the, the judo matches, but um, then then didn't happen like that at all. So, but um, in Germany in sports i mean if you look at the olympics right if you just look at at the olympics uh, ov- over the years don't don't just look at the last ones but germany in spite of the small size has done extremely well in in, in a variety of sports not just in judo but in in, in a variety of sports you know you know are, are the other uh, countries better in some aspects yes but uh, you, it's still amazing at the numbers of, of athletes that come out of Germany, you know, and that are successful. Now, people that listen to this says maybe they've taken all steroids, but no, that's pretty tightly controlled in West Germany, at least. In East Germany, that may have not been the case. I don't want to say, but um, in West Germany, no, they're just as tightly controlled as they are over here. So it is. It is more how how the the coaches. Look at the sport; they make a science out of it, at uh, whether it's soccer, basketball, uh, team sports, or or you know sports like judo. And and I was blessed that I could train at the uh, at at the at the schools, uh, you know, the summer schools and all those places where you know new training methods were were you know for the f- were shown for the first time. You know, now when I see like Ono doing uh, u- uh, uchikomi's Kuzushi drills, right? Off-balancing drills, and and I go like, you know, the whole Kodokan is doing this now, right? All these all these athletes are doing it now, and I go, you know, I was I was in Frankfurt, Germany, when 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 this guy first introduced this, and says, you know, most people don't have a strong enough grip, a gripping and pulling uh, ability. It takes years and years and years to develop you can short circuit that by doing these couple of exercises and we practice them. We practice them all day. My, my arms spout fell off. I remember that's why I remember it. Right. But <laughs> the, uh, the thing is that's Germany. That's, that's their view. Uh, you know, they are, they, that's the same, the same uh, concept. They apply to make a car better, last longer on the road. They apply to, sports in the same way and judo is just one example you know it's not just judo it's it's in in in, in any aspect they always make make a doctrine out of it <laughs> okay don't want to belabor the point but you know point you know i agree wholeheartedly what you said and 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 that's my same the same observation i have about various things so
1: very cool would you uh, you know, judo is so fascinating, and there's so many different um, influences when it comes to, of course, mixed martial arts and just jujitsu. So, very fascinating discussion, Eb. I really appreciate your time. Before we wrap up the episode, of course, your your uh, dojo is Toshi Dojo Judo Club at five zero five High Street in Brandenburg, Kentucky. Before we wrap everything up, is there anything else you'd like to mention,
0: Eb? Yeah, I, you know I, I really want to uh, touch on on another another uh, thing that's, that's, that's that, that, that I, I really like to bring out if, if this if this uh, podcast gets listened to by people uh, from other areas, from other sports and other activities. Uh, I think they should give uh, Judo, uh, BJj, or if, or if Sambo, they should give the grappling arts uh, a chance. And, and here's why. Right, Uh, the the way it is offered in these clubs is 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 very a very safe way to achieve a very high level of fitness, and we know that a fit body will last longer, uh, will will be healthy. And just deal with all different things all different things that come upon us in life a whole lot better than somebody who's already frail and has all kinds of ailments to begin with whether it's physical or mental so uh, yes there are activities you can you can play golf you know not don't want to ding any of these activities uh, you can go hiking uh, you could do you could go hunting which I think hunting is a great activity but how often do you go hunting um you know judo and you know i know the bjj clubs follow suit they're doing it exactly how we do you you go there several times a week and uh you basically get your your body has to go to work gets ex- physically exercised and, and 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 not just the physical exercise but you're going to be willing to do the exercise because there's another aspect to it. And that's the, that's the martial arts aspect. You're not just exercising for the sake of exercise. So if your doctor is telling you, uh, Hey, look, you gain too many, too much weight, or, you know, you have this or that problem, uh, you need to exercise that usually doesn't work for people. You know, they, they go home, they're frustrated, then they buy a treadmill and they start running on the treadmill. And then uh, after about six, eight months, that treadmill will collect dust because there's just no incentive to do any better. There's nothing tied to it. By doing these grappling arts and martial arts, you, you have a, a whole nother curriculum. The physical fitness is a byproduct. It's something that we attain by just doing the the art, right? And uh, it's it's a unique it's a unique concept. And I've done nearly fifty years of it, and I don't find it hard on my body. People go, oh, judo is so hard on the body." No, it's not. You know, I it's where I actually contradict the great Jimmy uh, Pedro. He says, "You know, people people you know they haven't done." you know, all of this for years. Now they can't do a rollout. Well, then, you know, you start somewhere, right? And uh, a club like ours is laid out uh, to 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 introduce. I have several new students that have been there now a year and a half uh, that started over 50 in judo. And they move when you watch them. If you didn't see their face and their, their gray hair, <laughs> they move like they're in their 30s. Okay, it all comes back. It all comes back uh, once once you're in a in a in a in a in an environment where you can actually do this. Uh, so uh, you know our club is is one of those. There's many others that 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 uh, have uh, provide a, a good environment, a good learning environment to improve in the art. You know, and uh, so that's that's the one thing I think a, a lot more people should give it a try uh, out there. You know, maybe it's something they want to do. Maybe they they, they they think maybe I should just try it. I you know it's it's amazing, uh, Kelly. The um I had um with the kids program, I get parents to drop off their kids, and sign them up. You know, and I go like, you know, we also have an adult program. You know, if you, if you want to get in, in, involved, and they they may look, they look like they have put put on a few pay, uh, pounds. You know, uh, a little overweight or whatever, right? And, you know, about, you know, five or six of them, they took my advice. We go like, yeah, let, let me give it a chance, you know. And they come in, they love it, you know. And some of them drop out and say, this is just not what I thought it was. Okay, great. I mean, that's just, it's not for everybody. But um, but but if, if we could capture all of those out there that that would be inclined to try it, they should just, come by, you know, the, the stigma is that, that you get beat up in a martial arts class. You know, if they watch the UFC, they think that's that's what, what they're going to get into when they come to a judo class, right? But not at all, not at all. Uh, in the judo class, you're getting instruction to improve yourself. And so it happens, you know, you're going to train with others because you're measured you're measuring your skills if you're if you're doing free sparring, you're measuring your skills with others, but it's all about you uh, coming up and 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 putting uh, putting the effort forth. and and, uh, and improving your skill. So that's that's probably it for me today, uh, Kelly, If unless you have uh, further questions about judo and no, nothing i par- done with it.
1: Yeah, nothing in particular at this time. I really enjoyed today's episode, Eb. I really appreciate you coming on. We'll have to do this again sometime soon. I don't see why we can't, you know, uh, via the beauty of Zoom and technology. It's cool how we get to have a conversation like this and then share it with so many people. So let's do this again sometime soon, Eb. Thank you very much.
0: Yeah, hey, th- thanks for this opportunity. Uh, uh, you know, it's, 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 it was great uh, that, that you reached out and I, I, was, I was very glad uh, to, to do this. And hopefully uh, we also uh, find more opportunities to train together uh you're always welcome and uh your friends uh from from your dojo, I mean I guess you call it gym, but um they're all welcome um to come, you know, come along. I have a, a ten dollar MAT fee, which is very standard. There's, you know, if you're if you're participating you get uh I can guarantee you if you come more than thirty miles, I, I will make your trip worthwhile. You'll walk away saying, Man, this was this was worth it, you know. And um, you know, anyway. Great. It's, it's just uh, what, all I wanna wanna maybe announce here. So
1: great stuff. Well Eb Kieslik, I really enjoy you coming on. I look forward to speaking with you again sometime soon, Eb. Thank you very
0: much. You're welcome, Kelly, and we'll we'll talk later.
1: I wanna thank everyone for tuning in to the Kelly Patrick show. Of course, we will have another episode out soon.